1: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020 Campari American, New York, New York. Never compromise. Drink responsibly.
2: Anthony for three. Puts it in. It's one. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as it.
1: Tell me who can guard in this league? I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the
2: of Wire NBA podcast. Whalen here with Alex Berutha. It's Thursday, January second. Alex, I'm on my second podcast in like three hours here. Back, to back off the first one. Talked a lot of NBA draft 2020 with James Anderson this morning. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more. Uh, I guess current day NBA happenings uh, on this afternoon's pod, but we'll start with. I hesitate to even call this news, but basically since there's been so little uh, chatter surrounding Zion Williamson since the initial uh, injury back in the preseason, we did finally get some news that Zion went through a full practice on Thursday. Uh, There were some reports that were, I think, meant to be positive, but ended up being kind of concerning last week that the Pelicans were trying to change how he runs and jumps. which (laughs) And is eating. Yeah, and eating. I mean, that that was implied, but I, I think it's... I think they probably meant it as like, you know, we're we're looking to prevent injuries in the future, but to me that I took that news as like, oh my god, he can't be even close to returning if they're trying to reteach him, you know, reteach him a new gate. Uh kind of on the fly here, but we still don't really have any sort of timetable whatsoever. I I personally don't think that Zion sitting out the entire season is completely off the table, but I will say it seems a lot more optimistic now uh than it did a few weeks ago. I know I know there's some speculation that you know, maybe he's targeting that MLK day uh, kind of primetime afternoon game. Uh, I think it's in Memphis uh, for the Pelicans. That could be a possibility. I think if he's back on the court before the All-Star break, that's huge. And, and that's still another you know, month and a half at this point. So pretty decent chance it would seem uh, that we see Zion maybe before the end of January even
3: yeah i i was a kind of initially concerned by that report of zion changing his running style but then i got like a weird flashback to a article about how dwayne wade ran incorrectly and on a quick google from it's from 2011 that someone pointed out that dwayne wade ran incorrectly and that contributed to a lot of his knee injuries um so it's not super uncommon that i guess players run incorrectly but yeah i mean it's it's going to be exciting that he could potentially return as soon as monday i don't think he It would surprise me if he came back as soon as Monday, but um, you know the Pelicans have been kind of underperforming all year. I think they're kind of they're making it a little interesting right now, um, being five games out of the eighth seed in the lost column, which isn't
2: this is not their own doing. I mean the I think the Spurs, Blazers, and Suns are making it interesting. Well, that's
3: what I mean. You basically look at the teams above them. It's yeah, Kings, Wolves. You know, maybe they're able to get you know if they get towns and Wiggins back, they'll be able to make things interesting. Grizzlies Suns Blazers Spurs but um I mean you know their their simple rating system is is decent they're 28 they probably should have two more wins than they do but um would it at this point if Zion let's say Zion comes back like basically next week is healthy the rest of the way through plays similar to how he does in the preseason would it shock you if the Pelicans made the playoffs no A-seed? i
2: I think it would shock me more if we see Zion, one, stay healthy, to be that good. I mean, it's been a, it's been a pretty long layoff. I, yeah. I, I was pretty surprised, I think, along with most people, just how dominant he looked in the preseason. I, I, yeah, think, was... I think the general expectation was, okay, this guy's awesome. He was great at the college level. Let's see how it looks in the pros. You know, I think everyone was generally pretty optimistic about his future, but for him to hit the ground running like he did in— you know, ultimately it was the preseason, but he was going up against a lot of you know NBA starter caliber players. Yeah. It wasn't like this was summer league. Um, for him to look as gifted athletically compared to NBA athletes and kind of play the same game that he did at Duke, but just do it even more efficiently almost right, at the NBA right. level. I mean, he was really not a factor from beyond the arc at all. It was a lot of just finishing everything around the rim, which is you know at his height, especially is a, is a pretty big skill. Um, so if he comes back and, you know, I would imagine he'll have very strict limitations you know if and when he returns i would say probably sitting out at least one half of back-to-backs you know maybe even a a soft minutes restriction based on how things go um but to answer your original question i mean they're right in the thick of it and for a team that lost 13 straight games between November 23rd and, you know, December 17th. That's usually not something you can say, but they've won five of their last six. A couple of those wins have, you know, come against Denver, Indiana, Houston, the last three. Those are all pretty quality wins, even though some of those teams, Houston especially, uh, back on Sunday was, was really banged up. But, I mean, if you're the Pelicans, you're not in any position to qualify any of your wins. You'll, you'll take them. And, you know, like I alluded to kind of jokingly earlier, they they've been helped by teams like Minnesota, free falling teams like San Antonio still being four games under 500, you know, Portland had a little bit of a run when Mello came, you know, initially joined the team and they've kind of fallen back. Phoenix has just taken a big step back. So, I mean, if, if the the qualification is that Zion Williamson is playing even at like 80% of what he was in the preseason, that is a huge, huge help for this team because they battled injuries of their own and like he's a major upgrade over you know, even someone like Kendrick Williams, who's right. had to play a lot of minutes for this team.
3: Yeah, upgrading the bench, um, which basically he would end up doing. I don't know. He probably, he might just come off the bench if he, I think right when come he comes back. Just
2: to begin, and then would eventually move into the lineup? That would be my guess. Yeah.
3: yeah, whether or not they they put Reddick on the bench or something like that. Maybe they lost a right. the ball. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, I think, um, the, I mean, how he was, you know, in the preseason, he was, he, he was doing so much of his work in like a low usage context that it, kind of gives me a little more confidence that he'll be able to come in and still play well right away because he's he wasn't he didn't have the ball in his hands a ton like he was getting a lot of obviously stuff in transition he was in the dunker spot getting a ton of offensive rebounds um like a shot was very broken but i think he's he is he's so much of like a hustle glue guy that i think it'll it'll just end up working out um once he comes back so i think it it wouldn't shock me if they if they snuck into the a seed and then once they're in the playoffs, you know, I mean, they're gonna basically play the Clippers or the Lakers. Yeah. Or so, but he, he'll at least they should be making mm. things interesting.
2: Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't pick this team to win a playoff series. Or, I mean, based on what we've seen, we I guess we can't let one and a half decent weeks color what's been like a pretty horrific season. And I mean, it's kind of a miracle that that Alvin Gentry has a job right now the way it looked <laughs> two or three weeks ago. Um, but I think in some ways. What happens with Zion might change the entire trajectory of their season. I mean, we were talking two weeks ago about the Pelicans selling off Drew Holiday, and that yeah. seemed that seemed very very likely at the time, and still could happen. Um, but if Zion comes back, and all of a sudden, I mean, let's say Zion comes back in two weeks and they play 500 basketball until the All Star break, and they're three games out of the eight seed. I mean, I, I don't know how you at least aggressively pursue a Drew Holiday trade at that point. I'm not saying they still wouldn't deal them if if the right de- what you know the right trade was on the table, but I think that kind of this could kind of reinvigorate their entire season that not too long ago, so you Mike it might be lost.
3: Yeah, given how well Zion played in the preseason, it is hard to like sell off Drew Holiday, knowing that Zion right. could come in and
2: especially the fact that he's not an expiring contract. You know, you're not just selling. Too, him yeah. You're not looking at it and saying, well, if we, you know, if we don't sell him off, we're going to lose him. It's like I think the implication, at least three months ago, was that Drew Holiday was going to be in the MVP conversation and it was going to be him kind of leading this this really. Bright young core right. into the you know the 2020s, and that kind of went down the drain quick. But if if Zion comes back and looks like Zion, I, I think that kind of changes everything. Um, but yeah, you mentioned some of those teams also vying for the eight right now. I I, I wouldn't even say there's a clear division between. OKC and the rest of that pack, although they've played well lately, I mean they're at least above 500. That's that's the most you can say about, um you know, more than you can say about any team below them. So they've opened up a three and a half game lead. They're at 18 and 15. San Antonio currently in the eight at 14 and 18. I mean, that's given how the rest of the conference is shaking out, like that's a fairly sizable gap right now, especially considering San Antonio hasn't really shown that it can string together a lot of wins. So I, I think right now we we still have a clear top six and it's the same top six that we had two weeks ago, four weeks ago, six weeks ago. Um, but I think OKC is kind of softly in that seven spot. And then to me, the Spurs, Blazers, Suns, Grizzlies, T-Wolves, Kings, Pelicans, are all very much in it. And even mathematically, the Warriors are, although I don't I don't think they would make the same push that <laughs> no, these other teams would.
3: I think uh, it, it would surprise me the most if the Grizzlies made it. I think they have yeah. uh,
2: maybe the Wolves at this point. I don't know. I mean, what would be more surprising I you, the think Wolves it would, or the Grizzlies sneaking in? Honestly, based on the other teams we're comparing them to, none of this would be all that surprising. I mean, I, I guess based on preseason expectations, if the Portland Trailblazers are a 40-win you know, percentage team for the rest of the year... And they missed the playoffs. Like, to me, that'd be pretty disappointing. I know they've been ravaged with injuries, but, you know, the Lillard McCollum backcourt has proven pretty infallible. And at some point, they're going to get Nurkic back. And I, I think maybe that's the difference. But, you know, I don't, it'd be hard for me to look at Minnesota and say it was like a disappointment if they don't make the playoffs because the I expectations agree. just weren't that high yeah Um, but they have more talent and they're they're trying to make the play like memphis i don't think cares like if they make it they'll take it yeah but i think i think it would be better for them to get the third pick in the draft than get the eight seed and lose in four games to the clippers or the lakers
3: oh i agree i mean the the wolves getting off to that hot start was fun but recently now with like wiggins out and towns out you kind of get the feel of like how
2: good is actually the rest of their roster not very not very good they, I mean, they're another team, kind of like New Orleans, that is two and a half games out of the eight seed. And from November twenty eighth through Christmas Day, they won one game, <laughs> and they're magically just still extremely in it. I mean, if they had gone five hundred over their, over that stretch, they would like be comfortably in sixth or seventh place. I mean, is or this place.
3: is this the parody that people
2: around the league wanted? I think it is, but it's like it's bad parody. You know, like now all of a sudden. I think there's still this debate of like top six in the East versus top six in the West, to me, still pretty close, right? I mean, we're talking Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, Toronto, Indy, Philly versus Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, Jazz, Mavs. I think the West is probably overall stronger, but it's pretty close. Um, And I I still think that the bottom of the West is better than the bottom of the East from seven on down, but it's at least comparable now and a lot more comparable than it's been in, in basically the last like decade and a half.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I I don't know. I don't mind like the par- the parody of That's like near. almost a handful of teams being able to get the seven or eight. Um, yeah. I think it is probably good to get people to you know to to have a reason to stick around. And it's I mean I understand you know like fans are, are going to want a team to tank or not, but at the same time, like if you're if you are a you know if you're like a, a Minnesota fan and you're twelve and twenty one. And mm-hmm. you can still realistically make the playoffs if like Towns and Wiggins are healthy for the rest of the year. I mean, that's something to to also look forward to. And yeah. I think it makes sense along with all the lottery reform that that was done. Mm-hmm. So now it feels more like an actual lottery. Well, it's where it's like, well, right. we tried and we didn't make it, so here we go.
2: Last year, forty eight wins got you the eight seed in the West. <laughs> this, this year, the Spurs are on pace for thirty six wins, and they would have the eight. So that's that's the kind of drop off we're talking about, kind of from seven on down. I think
3: we should i'd be okay with banning teams that are under 500 from making the playoffs
2: just give a bye to whatever team they would face uh yeah there's not enough yeah i mean i I don't think that's a problem we ever thought we would have certainly in the west no it's looking that way i mean i i still am hesitant to pull the plug on the spurs team and we'll get to that when we discuss some of our uh failed preseason predictions (laughs) but i i mean i don't see them just reeling off you know 14 wins in 20 games or anything like that which isn't even that crazy but for this first team i mean that would be their total wins on the season right now they're 14 and 18 um but yeah that that race in in really both conferences from seven on down is going to be really interesting to monitor um at the top of the conference you you brought this to my attention earlier today um looking at the milwaukee bucks who not only lead the league in srs simple rating system which is a basketball reference metric uh they lead the entire nba the history of the NBA for as long as these numbers go back, which I'm told is 1946 in simple rating system. They have an 11.98 simple rating. Uh, this takes into account point differential and strength of schedule. So yep. kind of a net rating mixed with strength of schedule. I don't don't know the exact machinations, but it's a a very good metric to just say how good and how dominant a team has been relative to its competition. Um, and you you looked up kind of historically – where the bucks rank right now relative to other teams that have been, you know, far and away number 1 in the league in SRS. Yeah, this is one of those stats
3: where to kind of figure out if it's legit or not, you want to look at the historical like implications of teams that have, you know, hit have, that have been high in this ranking before. So I went back and looked at every other team or just basically did a search for every other team in NBA history that crossed the threshold of at least 10, a 10 score on simple ranking system. And I think that we determined before the podcast, like it was eight out of the ten,
2: um, won the NBA Finals. So I have the list in front of me, and for context, like getting to a 10.0 SRS is extremely, rare. extremely, extremely good. For example, the second best team in SRS this season is the Mavs, and they're at seven point eight, which is very good. You know, seven point eight is is also very good, but getting to ten and even eleven, you know, as we're talking about with the Bucks, is really, really high. So counting this year's Bucks team. There have been 11 teams in NBA history that have reached double digit SRS, so at least 10.0 or better. And those teams are the 2016 17 Warriors, the 2015 16 Warriors, the 2015 16 Spurs, the 2014 15 Warriors, the 97 and 96 Bulls, and the 92 Bulls, the 72 Lakers, 72 Bucks, and 71 Bucks. So yeah. of those teams, um, I think seven out of 10, seven out of 10, seven out of 10 won the finals but i think what was even more interesting is that two separate years both 71 72 and fifteen, sixteen, had two teams that broke uh 10.0 in in srs and interestingly um in 2015 16 neither of those teams won the finals that was the spurs and the warriors right. and of course that was the, the Cavs' finals year so up until up until 2015-16, the only team to have at least a 10.0 SRS and not win the finals was the 72 Bucks, who had just won the finals the year before. Um, so it's not a perfect indicator of winning the finals, but it's a pretty good indicator that you're at least going to be very much in the mix, obviously. I mean, no team on this list that had a an SRS that high won fewer than 63 games in a season.
3: Yeah, it was just it's just a really crazy list to consider. Like It's, it's virtually a guarantee that you make the NBA Finals. I think the I think they'll that one bucks team didn't but the they Spurs played it neither but they the, lost oh, the to Spurs the Warriors. Didn't. they lost to the warriors yeah so it's it's a crazy stat and I think um you know as which we might get to this in a second like the the team that the bucks should probably be worried about the most is the 76ers but theoretically like it shouldn't even be close and you know I know throughout history like a lot of these teams that have this SRS over 10 are going to face teams that have uh, there are quote like quote unquote bad matchups for them. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of these teams is going to run into a bad matchup, but almost every single time they just overcome it because they're that good and they go to the finals. And mm-hmm. most of the time they win the finals. Um, obviously, you know it's <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and predict that the Bucks won the finals, but yeah. they are. I mean, this the season does deserve recognition for uh, on pace how mm-hmm. historic it it may end up being
2: yeah i mean the the numbers at least going by this metric say that they're significantly better than last year's bucks who had a a srs of just over eight so i mean the jump from eight to 12 is massive um but you do look at i mean i i don't know how exactly philly feels about playing milwaukee my guess is they're pretty confident especially after christmas day Uh, although if you watch that game it was just so much philly knocking down the three-point shots that they don't usually hit um and, and you know the bucks were just in such a hole early on that they couldn't really dig out but you know, I look back at the 2017-18 season, where um, you know the Cavs ended up playing Toronto. In the playoffs that year, um, that was the year Lebron's final year in Cleveland. They they barely had a positive SRS. The Cavs were a zero point five nine. The Raptors were a seven point two nine. That's where the matchup would indicate that Toronto is a massive favorite. Right. But you kind of knew like as soon as Cleveland. I think they ended up sweeping them that year. Right. That was. Um, yeah. Maybe. That was just kind of the, the final nail in the coffin for DeRozan in Toronto. I, I do wonder if Philly feels that way about Milwaukee. I think this Milwaukee team is you know significantly better than that Toronto team was, but. I don't get the sense that Philly is is intimidated by, you know, one, how dominant the Bucks have been and two you know, Giannis himself, because they have they have a guy in Embiid who, even if he's not shadowing him baseline to baseline, you know, he was really, really able to kind of thwart Giannis at the rim better than we've really seen anyone. I mean, most guys haven't even been able to mount a challenge.
3: Plus, Horford is there. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, Embiid, Embiid is the kind of guy who has top five potential. Like he should. He you know, we the joke is that there's like fifteen top five guys in the NBA, but like Embiid has that potential, especially defensively, um, to to be the top five guy or the best guy in any series, which I've heard some other people say I think that's true that he could be that guy. Um but yeah, I mean uh, the interesting thing with like those Cavs first Raptors series would be like that. The worst team, quote unquote, from like simple ranking system had the best player. They had LeBron, right? But in this case, the best team has the best player. So I don't, I don't know how that, that content, gets flipped right. around. <laughs> Dante DiVincenzo.
2: Yeah, we'll see. It's it's one of those things that you know. As much as I think you and I love watching the NBA night tonight, I could I can kind of understand how there's maybe a little bit of waning interest. Where you know, if you're a Bucks fan or a Sixers fan, you just kind of know that there's a pretty good chance it's coming down to that at some point, and you're going to have to wait until early June or late May for it to happen yeah. um and you know I, I think barring a major injury to either of those teams there's st- they're still on somewhat of a collision course even though I mean as we talk about NBA standings here like I mean Philly's in sixth place right now in the Eastern Conference and the gap isn't isn't huge by any means I mean they're they're tied for fifth and kind of lose a tiebreaker to to Indiana but they're eight games back of Milwaukee right now eight games back if we
3: stick with the simple Reagan system they're like a 3.8 which like if you you can kind of use this as like a you, you can almost use it as like a point spread it, it kind of works like that sometimes and this would suggest that if the bucks and 76ers play on neutral court the bucks would be like eight point favorites which i mean
2: that would never mm-hmm. that would never be the case but last year celtics were a 3.9 so that that's what srs thinks of the the sixers at least right and i think um yeah we've seen
3: with the sixers i mean they they just have such an unconventional offense that sometimes it's going to work fantastic and other times, just going to completely fall apart, you know, with the lack of pick and rolls that they run, the odd fit with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I mean, we, this is, we, I mean, we've beat this thing to death as far as the issues that they have um, offensively. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I don't, I don't know what it means come playoff time. I mean, last year, I mean, they were they were basically fine. I mean, they went to Game Seven and almost got in the Eastern Conference Finals. So. As much as we constantly say, oh, they need to fix something, maybe they need to trade somebody, they need a new coach, this, that, and the other thing, they were extremely competitive last year and could have easily been playing the Bucs. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, could have went to the NBA finals and they could have a title right now if they ended up facing that like depleted Warriors team. So, I can understand why the like Philly organization and everybody like that is super hesitant to not make a move because they know that the talent that they have is incredible and that they can mm-hmm. just still potentially pull out a championship
2: speaking of incredible talent darren collison wants back into the league we found out uh earlier this week not surprising whatsoever um he retired for religious reasons uh, essentially basically right before he was about to cash in in free agency uh which you know more power to him for for having the ability to do that but you know here we are now like six months later and believe it or not he is in line to sign with the lakers or the clippers i I would imagine the Lakers would have the upper hand if he's prioritizing a bigger role. Um, I mean, both teams, I think, could kind of use another point guard, but I think he he's a much greater need for the Lakers than he is the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, the the Clippers
3: have basically no real backup point guard. I mean, kind of dependent, because they have Beverly, and then they kind of do like the Lou Williams right. thing at point guard, but their actual backup point guard is like Derek Walton.
2: Yeah, Shanna um, can play some point guard, but they, they seem hesitant to do that.
3: Right. And I mean, they have Paul George and Kawhi. Obviously, those guys can handle the ball, but the Lakers have LeBron and AD and, you know, I Caruso. Well, he Caruso is playing really well. Um, I don't know. He would potentially take Rondo's minutes. Um, Quinn Cook hasn't really been a factor this year. So, yeah, I think he would. I don't know what kind of role he would have. I mean, I can envision him getting 15 to 20 minutes relatively consistently, um, but he is also he has like a super high potential to be like darren williams in the playoffs that one year for lebron if he makes it to the lakers where they just pull this guy out of nowhere and Ooh. then he compl- i'm si- i he could easily that could end up being the case i mean he's a great three-point shooter like
2: i that. i agree but darren williams was significantly more watched he, yes. at that point in his career and i mean collison is one of those guys like he led the league in three-point shooting two years ago yeah 47 but he only took three a game which is a, is a decent amount but if you're shooting 46 or 47 percent you should be taking like eight a game right so (laughs) there is kind of that weird thing with him where it's like how willing is he going to be um you know i I wouldn't say he's ball dominant but hasn't spent a lot of time playing off the ball in his career and when you play with lebron no matter what he says that's ultimately how you're going to be spending a decent chunk of your time um but if he if he could take the rondo minutes and just be another body for them i think that would be the lakers aren't going to get anybody better Via trade or buyout, I don't think. You know, I, I'm pretty low on Iguodala. I don't know that he even wants to go to the Lakers. <laughs> I think the Clippers would be his spot. Um, and Iguodala, yeah, you know, he he would be a nice addition for the Lakers, but I don't think he would fill the same need that Collison does. No, that that's a they have the Lakers have too many wings,
3: right? To to begin with already.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I think they could still ship Kuzma at some point, but again, I don't know what that gets you. And probably the best case scenario is. Someone of Darren Collison's caliber when he's healthy and actually in the league. And Kuzma's been playing all right lately. I mean Yeah, I mean he was good last night. I think he had zero points a game before that, though, didn't he?
3: Thirty-five percent from three on five attempts yeah. a game this year. I mean, that's if if that's what you're getting from him, then yeah. you're not gonna be too upset. It's, yeah. it's not gonna be easy to find a guy who's that willing of a shooter. Right.
2: He's been in and out of the lineup twice with ankle injuries. Right. So yeah, I mean he's he's come along, especially these last two weeks. I mean, he's had 16, 25, 24, and 19 in four of his last five games, which were easily probably four of his six best games of the entire season. Right. Fantasy basketball fans, the NBA regular season is in full swing, and FanDuel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy basketball, no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel has something for everyone, tons of different contests and formats to choose from, and these contests start at just $0.25 per entry. All you have to do is pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. You can play against your friends for bragging rights, or you can play against the public for millions of dollars in cash prizes to take advantage of our special offer for new FanDuel users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com RW. That's FanDuel.com RW. You'll get a free six month Rotowire subscription with that first deposit on FanDuel. That'll get you access to our DFS lineup optimizers, premium articles, draft software, everything you need to win your leagues this season. Just visit fanduel.com slash rw, void where prohibited. Okay, let's look back at some of our preseason futures, which we wrote up uh, for the site back on July 30th. Um, Some of these went or are going okay. I mean, they're all in progress, obviously. Others, not so much. Um, Hmm. We'll just kind of go down the list here and and hit on each of these real quickly and kind of revisit where we're at now. You and I both went under on the Hornets, 23 and a half wins. I felt extremely confident about this one. And, you know, here we are now in December and I feel, or January, excuse me. I feel very similar about this one as I did taking the Hawks under last year. I I thought they would be like an 11-win team. And, you know, they obviously ended up being much better. Charlotte is on pace for, I mean, somewhere around like 20. 20- nine Uh, they're 13 and 23 i'm trying to do the mental math yeah somewhere at 28 29 wins um so it turns out this line was actually not i think we had said like this the line should be like 17 wins and um yeah i mean i I think they're on pace to to hit this fairly comfortably there's there's a world
3: in which they don't i mean there 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 still is but this is probably a loss like if i you know if if this was an actual bet the guy had made i'd be like well that's that's money lost and the way we did this we should maybe clarify, we, we gave ourselves a thousand fictional dollars and we like distributed it on certain bets with like confidence levels. And I gave this one dollars So it was one that I definitely liked, but I wasn't going to throw all my money into. But I think the main thing is just like, I was not expecting uh, Devonte Graham or PJ Washington to actually be like good NBA players. Like they are actually good. I looked up this stat because um, I was kind of... Uh, th- just thinking about like, just thinking about Devonte Graham, uh, he's on pace right now to become the ninth player in NBA history to average at least nine three point attempts and four free throw attempts per game. The only others being Curry, Doncic, Paul George, James Hargan, Damian Lillard, Kemba Walker, D'Angelo Russell, Trey Young. So Walker never did that. No, um, but he would have the lowest two point percentage. Um, 35.4 percent from two is Devonte graham i know uh paul george was previously the lowest on that list with 46 percent from two <laughs> so just an astounding showing by Devonte yeah. graham
2: he's had um, a bizarre season that's for sure
3: he has but he's actually good um and also pj washington probably doesn't get enough credit um for the for the rookie season that yep. he's putting together his um he, he's just just been solid he got hurt for a while um but yeah, they're they are a lot more competent than I figured. I think James Borrego is doing a pretty solid job just having them kind of... They're just shooting a bunch of threes.
2: Yeah, he is one of four players uh, who are taken in the lottery who have a positive value over replacement right now. For a and, horrible uh, team. Right, for a bad team. Him, Cam Johnson, Jackson Hayes, John Morant, which is actually interesting. And Cam
3: Johnson is a surprising
2: one. He's been a little better than I thought. I mean, still not like the value I think you'd want at 11 overall to take a guy who kind of just functions as a as a three-point specialist you know this early in his career I think was was kind of an interesting one I mean Cam Johnson to me or uh P.J. Washington to me is the guy who you kind of imagine like how much how much better would you feel about Atlanta's future if they took him instead of Reddish or you know even throw him on uh on Phoenix you know a team like that I mean he's he's going to be fun in in Charlotte but I think he's a guy that at least like two to four teams in the, you know, in the one to 11 range, probably wish they would have taken him.
3: Washington's one of those guys that already feel extremely confident yeah. about being a legitimate like rotation player. Like per yeah. 36 minutes, he's at 15.6 rebounds, also chipping in a block and a steal and hitting basically two threes at 40%.
2: Yeah. Like, I don't know what his ceiling is, but I mean, even if he just, it seems like right now his like floor would be a Marvin Williams type of career, which. Maybe isn't what you want, and I would bet that he's significantly better than that. But I mean, that's a for for what you're picking at number twelve overall. Like that's that's pretty solid.
3: Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the combination of him and Miles Bridges, even though Miles Bridges had kind of a disappointing season. Yeah, like they're both just kind of like athletic three and D upside wings. Um, so as as much as the Hornets have had like pretty bad drafts throughout the past like decade, mm-hmm. um, I kind of like what they're what they're putting together lately.
2: Yeah, I think some credit is due to the coaching staff for not just. Playing veterans. Like a big part of the reason that I was so low on this team is I thought they were just going to be like force feeding minutes to Batum. Cody Zeller, Batum, Marvin Williams, um guys like that. And even like even Rozier early on wasn't playing all that much. You know, you kind of felt like they were just going to hand it over to him and just kind of play out the season and, you know, hope for the draft. But they basically have put the best players on the floor for the most part. I mean, Batum, I think, has been a DMP in the last three games. Kid Gilchrist has been out of the mix. Even Dwayne Bacon, who was, who was in the rotation early wasn't all that good they've they really haven't been hesitant to to change things up which you know when you look at a team like i don't know cleveland you know for all the veterans that they're playing and still losing like at least with right. charlotte you can kind of feel them building something and i didn't get that vibe at all in the offseason like we we talked about them like they were on a 10-year plan for contention and they're really not close to, to being a real contender but they had you know someone like Devonte graham was not even on our radar whatsoever at the time that we wrote that article know and i actually
3: cited one of the teams i cited that basically was a recent 23 win team was the 15 16 sons who kind of seem like pretty similar they, they had pj tucker devin booker and brandon knight were like their main three and that yeah. feels kind of similar to like a Devonte graham pj washington terry Rozier kind of a yeah. thing so um i that one is we're gonna chalk it up to a loss
2: yeah, for now, I think so. Um, and we've been helped by the fact that they've lost six straight coming into today. Yes, so true. That, that look This actually looked a lot worse this, like two weeks ago. It did. The Knicks under 29 and a half wins. I put all 1,000 of my fictional dollars <laughs> on this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I wrote that I was going to put my entire budget on this, pocket the automatic 800, and then reinvest that. Right. I feel very good about this. It works. The Knicks are kind of like scorching red hot right now, uh, but they have 10 wins, they're 10 and 24 um you know basically on pace for 24 25 wins something like so. that i i think their their recent hot streak will will kind of sink back to to where they were early in the season they've won three straight right now they've won four out of seven which for the knicks is the equivalent of like a 25 game winning streak for any other team um, but i feel pretty good about that under and that 29 and a half wins was a ridiculous a ridiculous total back in july and it It remains equally ridiculous now. I kept staring at it
3: and I really wanted to take it, but for some reason I couldn't get the idea of like Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, and Marcus Morris just like willing this team to 30 wins. And I mean, I could happen. RJ Barrett could have been good. If all those things would have happened, then I I think it would have been possible. I didn't, I probably, looking back, I should have put some on it. I would not have been confident enough to take out a $1,000 loan to put on it, but, Mm -hmm. um, you were definitely
2: right on that one. So we each put down bets about the Denver Nuggets. We both liked the over on 51 and a half wins. Um, and then you, uh, in the article, parlayed this with the Nuggets to win the title at plus 2300. I parlayed the wins with finishing as the number one seed in the West, which was only at plus 390.
3: Yeah, I don't think I technically parlayed it. Separate bets. But like, oh, OK. Yeah, I, I that was just something like I was like, I might as well put the $75 on them to win the title sure, while sure. I'm at it but yeah I think they're on pace for 55-ish wins right now I feel pretty good about them hitting the over especially since mm-hmm. Jokic played bad for the first what like 15-20 games of the year and they still were winning and now that he's playing better it's yep. you know it's going to keep going so um, that one seemed like weirdly obvious uh, especially because they had the deepest team in the league
2: yeah well I mean it, 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 it did seem obvious and then I felt really bad about it early on. Like, like you said, they were 14 and eight on December 10th and now they're 23 and 10. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, I would expect it maybe not at this pace, but I, I think they are kind of finding their stride at the right time here. I mean, it, I think it took a little bit. I think Will Barton coming back and playing a bigger role and, you know, guys like Tori Craig and Malik Beasley taking a step back, maybe, maybe took some, some figuring out and even getting Jeremy Grant in there. But yeah, when Jokic is playing like this, I mean, this is a team that was struggling to, get to 100 points pretty routinely like at the beginning of december um and now they've scored you know at least 100 and i think their last like 11 or 12 games so i think they're on track i i, I wouldn't say this is a lock but I, I feel much better about it now than i did a month ago
3: yeah you had the number one seed was plus 390 um mm-hmm. for them and i took the title at plus 2300 i felt like i just wanted to take the value there but i think your bet probably made more sense
2: yeah i mean i think when you're talking about you know 390 versus um what was yours plus 2300 2300 yeah i mean then then for sure i I think it makes sense because i mean if they get the one seed you'd at least assume that they're in a pretty good spot um to make a run but even 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 if this team keeps winning and they win you know 57 games or whatever like i expected still don't think they're a title team i think the lakers and the clippers are too good but i mean as it stands right now they're three and a half out of the one seed and i wouldn't be too surprised if you know if lebron's kind of seems to be continually tweaking this minor groin injury like if he misses two weeks at some point I think Denver could pretty easily overtake the Lakers. Definitely. Um, next up we have, ugh, I took the under on the Suns. 28 and a half wins. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I think they're probably going to get there. They've, well, you got plus odds. You know. Yeah, I did. I, I didn't feel good about this one. It, it felt like this was final of the year. Maybe they broke the streak. But as I laid out in my write-up, it was it was just basically a legacy pick. Like They yeah. had not earned the right for anyone to take the over. And I mean, this is a team that was 11 and 12, not that long ago. And now they're 13 and 21. So yeah. I'm feeling okay. I think this is probably going to come down to the wire. I think they're somewhere between 27 and 32 wins. And I, I, I still never quite bought in, you know, when they were, when they got off to that crazy five and two start early <laughs> on. Um, but I think this is one that's going to be close, too close to call right now, probably trending towards them hitting the over.
3: I think they will hit the over. I think when they are fully healthy, they have played well. I mean, I think their, their most frequent lineup. I looked this up the other day. I think their most frequent lineup is like seven points plus seven per 100 possessions, basically. So they're a pretty good team when everyone's healthy. Um, it is possible that, uh, that they, they creep under, um, uh, 28 wins but i think with how sketchy the west is like they could easily rattle off i mean the amount of teams that they could yeah. get wins over i mean they could kick a five game winning streak where they basically just play all the other teams that are within the same uh realm as them
2: <laughs> ironically here's their upcoming schedule beginning tomorrow nicks grizzlies kings magic hornets all at home then they go at Hawks, at Knicks. Oh, man. So that's their next seven. Those could all they could nice. actually go like <laughs> six of seven there. <laughs> yes, they, they certainly could. Um, you took the Pacers under 47 and a half. Uh,
3: this one's going to cut it close, I think. But I'm I'm ready to chalk this up as a loss. Uh, under 47 and a half. I mean, it's possible they dip back down. Um, but I'm not banking on it. Yeah, they have 22 wins right now. They're
2: on pace for 53.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm frantically trying to check their current strength of schedule to see if uh, maybe they have a harder strength of schedule coming up. But um, I just once they get Oladipo back, I mean, I'm not really banking on him making a difference for the first like two months that he's back. But I should have just, I don't know. I thought I thought last year was a little fluky, um, and I, I mean, I know Nate McMillan's a great coach, but I just I I didn't think it would work out. And even even when they're I mean, they were missing a ton of guys earlier in the year. Like they've been dealing with injuries all year. Brogdon's hurt again. Brogdon's hurt. Um, Turner was out for a while. Everybody, and they've they've put it together. So um, I am I'm willing to say that this was mm-hmm. <laughs> not the right call.
2: We'll see. I don't think that one's that one's cooked yet. But yeah, probably trending toward that way. You also have the Raptors under forty six and a half. I was worried about the rebuild. <laughs> mm-hmm. so and I. I'm surprised. I thought I took this one. Apparently, I didn't. But I I was with you.
3: I just, you know, I was not ready to say that Norman Powell and OG Anganobi and Fred Van Vliet were like going to carry this team. Like, I, I just didn't think there was any way that they're as good as they are with the roster that they have. They're 23 and 11, and like they've been hurt at in yeah. some capacity for basically the entire season. Um, like, their minutes leaders are Van Vliet, Siakam, and Anganobi. Like, Lowry, like, Powell's played more than Gasol. Terrence Davis is eighth in minutes for them um like ronda hollis jefferson like nurse like regrettably gives minutes to hollis jefferson and like you know uh, all those other guys so i still don't know how they're exactly doing this i mean they have a they have a great um i mean they're they have a great defense which is most of it but yeah i they've (laughs) they've been incredible so
2: yeah i think being able to withstand the injuries is one thing but i was with you i thought i thought this team would honestly crater without Kawhi. i thought this would be the year that lowry finally drops off yep. i mean gasol kind of had dropped off but it they've just it hasn't even mattered like he hasn't even been good for them when he's healthy and it's just been all these you know like hollis jefferson who came out of nowhere you know basically a free addition for them um terrence davis another guy who wasn't on the radar whatsoever before the oh. season just another great find and i mean they've lost three of their last five games because they've just been so ridiculously banged up once Siakam went out i mean if, if even one of those injuries that they're currently dealing with doesn't happen, they probably win one of those three games. Um, you know, one of them was an overtime loss. One of them was a one point loss uh, against OKC the other night. So, I mean, they're on pace for 55, but I mean, this is a team that won 58 last year and they're, they're probably going to approach that total once they get healthy.
3: Yeah. Just really
2: surprising. Yeah. Um, I think you and I both have the warriors to win the title. We did. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk through this uh, plus 1500, uh, Neither of us put much fictional money on this. Uh, but my my case was, you know, Clay Thompson, at the time that we wrote this, it, it seemed possible that there's a chance he could come back in, like, March. And, you know, that seemed very realistic at the time. You know, this was before the Curry injury. Obviously, this was when the D'Angelo Russell thing really seemed like it, it could work. And I don't know. I don't, I don't. Obviously, this bet looks ridiculous now, but I, I don't hate the logic behind it.
3: If everyone was healthy, yeah. I think this this bet makes sense. It's semi-defensible. Um, I think I, I put seventy five of the one thousand fake dollars on it, which I thought was fair. Mm-hmm. My main argument at the end was that so they're fifteen to one, and for reference of what a fifteen to one team basically looks like, last season's Rockets, Lakers, and Raptors were all between nineteen and 1, 10 right. to one, um, and I know that that was in a world where the Lakers or where the Warriors were minus one sixty eight favorites that the league is more parity now and the Warriors still have elite talent at the top of their roster. I don't right. think that's like the wrong take to have, oh. but everyone getting hurt, obviously a huge de- detriment to that. I mean, I think if, if we are in a world where everyone in the Warriors is healthy, minus Clay Thompson, like, mm-hmm. you know, cause of the ACL, then they could definitely be in the playoff hunt right now. Like, so oh, yeah. at that point, I, I, mean, I they still them are, to win like the title. Mathematically.
2: Like, I mean, there's a decent chance that whenever Steph comes back, like, the Warriors could still make a run. I don't. I don't think they will. I don't think that's the direction they would go. But I don't. I don't see like like we just said. I don't. None of those teams in the bottom pack of the West are really going to separate themselves.
3: The smarter bet was the under. Yeah. Um, which I don't. I think they. I think they're. They were at like forty eight or something. It was I don't a pretty know. high. Total. It was pretty high. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, so we. I think we both had the 76ers to win the NBA title. That was at plus nine hundred. Um, and I. I also parlay or whatever you want to call it with them winning the east yeah and you know obviously those two go hand in hand i i don't feel great about that uh i mean the christmas day game it, it just depends how much stock you want to put into that and how much kind of credit we give the 76ers like have they earned have they earned the cachet of the lebron Cavs, where it doesn't matter what seed they are you're just you know they're going to be dangerous right i don't know that they have um, but then you see a game like christmas day and it, it kind of makes you worry i think if you're if you're somebody who's hoping that the Bucks are that team to come out of the East, this one
3: made a lot of sense to me. I mean, you got them at nine to one, which is a pretty, pretty good odds for them that was to win the title nine to one. Mm-hmm. I put a hundred dollars on it. I, my, I mean, yeah, my my thought was basically it's just going to be them or them or the Bucks, and they match up well against the Bucks. And if they get into the finals, any team that gets in the finals has a chance to win it. So I'm like pretty, you know, any any team that I think can get to the finals, I'll just bet them to win the finals. Um, which I know isn't like the most great money management quote-unquote but um yeah I think that the odds were way too high and I think by the beginning of the season it had creeped all the way down to plus 750 so people were clearly like on this bet mm-hmm. and even though they're off to a bad start um I don't really I haven't lost any confidence in it
2: yeah I it doesn't seem like anyone really has you know I mean it, it seems like it should maybe be a bigger story that they're eight games back in the conference that they're kind of co-favorites to win but like i said i think that one win really went a long way on christmas day to kind of quell any concerns and you know frankly i i think right or wrong people are just inherently skeptical of this milwaukee team based on the personnel beyond Giannis. and i i think they're gonna have to prove it on the floor before before you know anyone really changes their opinion on that yeah no one is going to like think uh
3: no one's going to believe in the Bucs until they're up, until you know they have three wins in the Eastern Conference Finals or something. Then people are going to be yeah. like, "Oh, this Bucks team might be for real" right. when they're one game away from going to the NBA Finals. Right? Which
2: is kind of funny because this, i mean—the Sixers haven't even been to the Conference Finals, and yet they—they seem to be the team that's getting the benefit of the doubt for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Is that, is that accurate to say? I think so yeah i mean i guess that's what i mean that's what happens when you have two all-stars and then tobias harris um you know as opposed to dante divincenzo <laughs> running out there for for 27 minutes a night so i also had the hornets under 23 and a half we discussed that one you had john morant to win rookie of the year at plus 400 no i mean it's it's okay i mean uh, obviously getting the looks very good
3: getting the boost from zion williamson um being out matters a lot and i kind of just brushed past rj barrett um, I think my, my argument was basically that the Pelicans and Knicks have other high usage players. I thought they would be handling the basketball as much or a lot. And then the Grizzlies don't really have much playmaking outside of Morant. So he would just end up with the better numbers. Um, like I was worried about the the learning curve of being a point guard, but I just thought the the usage rate for Morant would be way higher than, um, you know, Zion or Barrett and that at plus 400, I felt pretty good about that, mm-hmm. even though you know zion obviously made sense as a bet
2: yeah i i think uh zion not winning rookie of the year was like begging to be bet it almost it, it was like the odds were just so astronomical in favor of him and you know that, this was pre injury but it almost seems kind of poetic uh moran's now at minus 200 so that's looking very good it was looking good um i mean zion is at plus 1000 i i wouldn't rule out like a hel- like the scenario we laid out earlier if he comes back and stays healthy people will bet that yeah he'll, i mean he'll make it a debate at least but I think what's really reassuring for you as a, as a Morant better is beyond the possibility, a very big what-if of Zion just having this crazy second half, who would even be number two right now? The odds say it's R.J. Barrett, and he's, I mean, most years he wouldn't even be like a top five contender. I looked, uh, interestingly, I looked on the
3: NBA.com rookie ladder today, and the writer of that, uh, I forget his name, had Kendrick Nunn number two for rookie of the year, um, yeah. which I can't really argue with. And I think it was Tyler Hero after that. And then Brandon Clark was five. I forget who was four. Um, so, I mean, I mean, Barrett's not even in the top no. five, I don't think.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you look at the odds, it's a, it's a pretty depressing reality. I mean, in order, Morant, Barrett, Zion, Nunn, Hachimura, Hero, Eric Pascal, and Michael Porter Jr. Has better. He has significantly better odds to win this award than Brandon Clark, Jared Culver, Darius Garland, Jackson Hayes.
3: I wish there was a way to, like... F- you know, short sell R.J. Barrett winning the rookie of the year. Like, how can I yeah. bet on him to not win the rookie of the year? What kind of odds can I get? Can I get, like, minus 700? Because I'll do it. Like, he's not going to win it.
2: Well, speaking of, I had that as one of my <laughs> bets. Um, and I, I, I laid out all it's the qualifiers. It's defensible. It is. It, it is. It, it, it is. was and is. And I, I laid out all the qualifiers as, as I possibly could. Um, I said, quote, this is clearly Zion Williamson's award to lose. In the next paragraph, I said, quote, if it's not Williamson, John Morant would be the next logical choice. Decided not to bet either of those (laughs) when Barrett had plus 450 at defied Logic. uh, I wrote that he will, quote, go through some wild swings. His percentages likely won't be great, but Barrett is going to play a ton of minutes, take a ton of shots, and rack up a ton of counting stats. Even if those assists and rebounds are ultimately meaningless, they traditionally go a long way in deciding this award. I stand by all of that. He's just been so much worse at all of those things than I anticipated.
3: This is one of those where if, like, I think if you as the editor would have looked at someone else's writing this, and said, okay, but in this paragraph, you said that if it's not Williamson, John Morant is the next right. choice. But you're picking the third guy, I'm not picking the logical, choice. not picking the logical choice. You're taking the plus fifty more odds instead mm-hmm. of plus four hundred to get Morant. The value of plus four fifty to get Barrett, so much better. Um, Correct. But yeah, I no one, I, no one could have anticipated Barrett being this poor of a player right off, right out of the gate. Like I wasn't a big fan of him coming out of high school. Um, but this is uh
2: something that I was not anticipating. He's still just it's the lack of consistency, which is the worst. I mean, not opening, it's well, consistently
3: is, not good though,
2: right? Right? I mean, <laughs> but, but even like opening night, 21 points, five rebounds, two assists, two games later, 26 points, seven rebounds, three assists, 19 points, 15 rebounds, five assists. I'm like, all right, this is and he's shooting pretty badly in those games, you know. I mean, he was around like low 40s early on. But that was exactly what I expected to happen, you know, like really great rebounding numbers for a guard. And then it just completely tailed off. Like once once we hit mid-November, I mean, it was, you know, he would have a 20-point game and then he'd follow it up with a three-point game and then an eight-point game and a nine-point game. And it's just, it hasn't gotten any better. I think that's what's what's pretty concerning is like, you know, we're now into January and He's basically throwing up a single digit scoring game like at least once every three games, if not more frequently.
3: Since December, 34% from the field, 30% from three, 60% from the line, turns the ball over just as much as he assists. The free throws, I mean, that's really concerning. He's going
2: going entire stretches of games without taking a free throw. That's one thing. And then to be hitting him at that rate is is equally concerning.
3: Well, that's concerning because when we saw him in Summer League, we thought his main strength was his strength, like that he was just running into people and like kind of doing like the hard end, you know, hitting the people and then. Just kind of not cross over, but like swipe across your body and take a layup. Right. And then he, he still does that sometimes now, but he's not getting the same calls. He's playing against right. people that are way stronger. And then when he gets to the line, it's, you know, basically
2: six out of 10. Well, he had games early on. I mean, he had like three games in the first month of his career where he had double digit free throw attempts. But then you look, his last six games, he has eight total free throw attempts.
3: Yeah. And in those games, I mean, yeah. But he didn't, even in those games, he still shot right. 37% from the field and 16% from three. Yeah. So it's,
2: it's not good. He's not going to win Rookie of the Year. I don't feel great about that bet, <laughs> but he has the second be, best odds. Be like, you know? I uh, I have Miles Tanner, Turner, excuse me, to win Defensive Player of the Year. Um, got that at plus two thousand. I'd, I'd never loved this bet, but at plus two thousand, yeah, um, you know, I kind of wanted to go a little bit off the beaten path. But how much did you put on it? I'm trying uh, ninety nine dollars. That's fine. For some reason, yeah. So right now, looking at the odds for that award. Uh now they are not posted. Okay. I looked um, earlier. Uh oh, Davis a, was a heavy favorite. He's at plus six thousand, I think.
3: Uh behind Marcus Smart. Plus
2: six thousand. Oh, uh Turner is? Yeah, Turner. Oh, okay, yeah.
3: Yeah, Turner's plus six thousand now behind like Marcus Smart, Paul George, guys like that.
2: Oh, here we go. Yep, Davis. So according to the FanDuel Sportsbook, Davis is the the heavy favorite at minus two ten, then it's Gobert at plus three forty. Um yeah, I mean Turner is tenth in terms of the odds right now. Uh, I got Anthony Davis. I put 50 on Davis
3: to win Defensive Player of the Year at plus 1100. Woo. I know. Um, that would have been the one that I think everyone, sometimes you, you know, when the year starts and all, like basically all the futures come out, you're so excited to like identify a ton of them, but you really should laser, you should, you know, as well as you would say, laser focus on like one or two. And the um, it really should have been the Anthony Davis one that I identified. That was the one I felt very strongly about. That the odds were that the odds made no sense mm-hmm. at plus eleven hundred. The only player, <clears throat> I think he's the only player this decade to average two and a half blocks and one and a half steals per game in in a single season. Hmm. Um, and that alone, and he had been on such bad Pelicans teams that he was never going to win it. But he was so good defensively that you know, like if he got on a decent team, like it would work out, um, and it is working out. I also put fifty on him to win win MVP at plus nine fifty. Um, I'll lose I'll lose the fifty dollars there, but I'll gain you know whatever the math is on that. Basically, most, $500. most
2: likely yes, but I don't, I don't think that one is completely <clears throat> sewn up. He's currently fourth in the odds at plus seven fifty. I wouldn't bet on it I right I now. If technically, I were you, got value for it. Yeah, if yeah, talking. I think so, and I think. I think we both kind of recognized that it was a what if Giannis gets hurt award or what if Giannis and Harden get hurt. And, you know, I think Doncic kind of sneaking his way in was maybe a little bit of a surprise. But for the most part, the guys who are competing for the award now are the guys that we thought back in July.
3: Yeah, the argument is like the, you know, the Lakers get the number one seed. LeBron is kind of like a just a a normal, quote unquote, LeBron year. It takes a small step back and Davis just, you know. Basically, my thought was he Davis plays just as good as offense as he always has, plays just as good on defense he always has, but he has more exposure and on a great team. And people will be like, Well, that, yeah. well, how is that not an MVP? Um, but yeah, yeah, the defensive player of the year was probably my best mm-hmm. value bet that I made. Yeah,
2: I think so too. 1100 is crazy. I know. Uh, Bucks to win the central division, Let's talk about value minus 550. They currently lead the Pacers by eight games, so
3: I put 275 on that. I, Shoulda, you know, I I could put a thousand on that, like you yeah. did for the Knicks. Right, I, that those odds are those odds are extremely low when yeah. you consider like I, that does not make any sense. I think they jumped up to literally like minus a thousand, like right before the season.
2: Right now, they're minus twenty thousand to win the Central. I mean, so this this is my best. Value. I think this yeah. is my best bet actually. value by far. Yeah,
3: Bucks in the Central Division, best bet of yep. the year.
2: uh I had the Spurs to win the southwest division uh, don't feel good about that they're plus 350 at the time they are now currently plus 3600 <laughs> um, yeah and i i wrote up in uh you know in the article that I, I i knew this was fairly unlikely um but my, essentially I, I i said i didn't think new orleans and dallas were going to be that good and one of those is true one of those is not uh so i basically said they all they need is to get by houston and i took into account that they i think the spurs won 48 last year and I I was pretty high on Dejounte Murray coming back, and that really he's been being, playing well lately. Right, and that being a spark, and I mean they're they're very clearly not going to win the division. Um, and they're this really doesn't come down to anything to do with Houston or Dallas, but the Spurs just took a, a much bigger step back than I thought. I mean, we, when you consider you got three fifty on it,
3: and I think you and probably a lot of other people would have assumed that you know. Uh, Houston, San Antonio, Dallas all had a one in three chance of winning the division. That these odds aren't crazy, and you only put fifty bucks on it. It's not like you. This was like yeah, one I, of your most confident
2: bets. I never felt great about it, but I also I don't know. I, I don't want to give myself really any credit here. I, <laughs> I, this was 100% me just drinking the pop Kool Aid and just right. assuming that you know what has been for 20 years will continue to be. Um, you had another another interesting one that that maybe doesn't look great, but I think for the value was was fine at the time. Nikola Jokic to win MVP at plus 1,300. You only put 50 on this one. Um, you know, not definitely not dead. I, I would rank him certainly behind Anthony Davis if you're talking about guys who could make a run over these final 50 games or whatever, but he's currently at plus 8,000.
3: Yeah, my um, my argument was that he was 4th in MVP voting last year. That's a 23-year-old. And then he was all of a sudden 13-1 to the next year. And my belief was that the Nuggets probably, or I thought the Nuggets could get the number one seed, and if if you if the nuggets get above the lakers and the clippers in the standings mm-hmm. then jokic has to like be a top 3 mvp candidate probably or he has to be playing that well yeah um so not the best bet but you know i thought i think i still stand by the value being solid mm-hmm.
2: i actually had this one too i didn't realize i just okay. i just noticed that i also had the same bet um and i, I kind of wrote it up as a process of elimination you know i i I'd, I'd said Of the eight players with the best odds, Davis, Kawhi, Paul George, and Jokic are the only ones who haven't won an award, an MVP award. Um, So to me, that kind of meant, you know, LeBron, Steph, Harden, and Giannis are all guys who not only are competing against the other elite elite players, but they're competing against their own MVP seasons. Um, So I, I think I've in some ways been correct about that with Harden. You know, Curry is obviously a cross off. Um, but Harden for as great as he's been this year, just doesn't seem to be generating any buzz, like probably less MVP buzz than he's ever generated despite putting up his best numbers. Um, but what I, I guess I wouldn't say I didn't anticipate this, but what I maybe underestimated is just how dominant and even more dominant Giannis would be to the point where it's, I mean, at this point in the year, it's pretty much unassailably, Giannis's MVP to lose, right? And he's he's playing so few minutes that I think at first that maybe hurt his candidacy when you would line up Harden versus Giannis and look at his numbers. But now it's gotten to the point where I think that narrative of hey Giannis they're blowing everybody out. Giannis is playing 27 minutes in half of these games (laughs) is now turning and starting to help him and kind of propel his case.
3: Yeah, if you I mean if you put the per 36 numbers their per 100 possession numbers next to each other, it's very similar. And Giannis obviously has the uh, case that he's also a top five defensive player. Um youngest has played fewer than thirty minutes in thirteen games this season that's crazy um yeah and i'm I'm about to look up what hargan um if if hargan is even i don't even know what the hargan number would be for that um
2: for games fewer than thirty minutes played
3: yeah, it looks like one <laughs> uh so yeah hargan with one game fewer than thirty minutes young with thirteen so the The case for Giannis is there, and he was, I think, plus two seventy when you wrote this. Giannis was, yeah, to win MVP, and that I mean, at now this looks like a pretty that that would look like a good bet as well. Hargan being five fifty, also a solid value bet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, uh, one of my last bets here was Draymond Green to win Defensive Player of the Year at plus two thousand. Um, my main argument was that he qualifies for the Supermax if he wins Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and that he's not worth it so he's going to be trying really hard to qualify for it um, and uh, basically like i know he's past his athletic prime but he's the best all-around multi-positional defender in the league and that I, th- I figured hey if the warriors can make the playoffs his potential is there and plus 2000 for a r- relatively recent defensive player of the year award mm-hmm. winner um, is is fair
2: so i looked up lebron's <laughs> career uh games played per season uh, or in each season, the, uh, fewer than 30 minutes. Uh, 10 is the highest in his entire <laughs> career. In 2014-15, there were 10 times he played fewer than 30 minutes. Oh my God, so Giannis has already done that 13 times, just just under half of the Bucks games so far, or you know, a little more than the third. Um, yeah, I, I think that narrative is going to continue and kind of help Giannis as the season goes on. Our final two, uh, you had Draymond Green to win Defensive Player of the Year, like you said, um, and I had... LaMarcus Aldridge to win MVP. I put $1 on this. So mm-hmm. That's where the 99 from Miles Turner comes from. That's a legacy, like, respect bet. Yeah, that, that was 10000 And my, I just wanted to kind of do a quick write-up on, like, what would it take for mm-hmm. LaMarcus Aldridge to win the MVP? Like, this is an available bet that people were able to log in, you know, enter their credit card information, FanDuel. And dot place com. real money to bet on LaMarcus Aldridge to win the MVA MVP. So what sequence of events would have to happen for us to be sitting here on January 2nd and say, wow! I'm really glad I put that one dollar on, on Lamarcus Aldridge. I mean, you reference the
3: Spurs going eighty-two and zero. You you mention a a, be a mass illness breaking out across the NBA, sure. um, basically awesome. rendering every other player unable to play basketball. Um, Short of that, I don't I don't know what it is. I'm not sure either. Um, you know, maybe he would go for like. I mean, maybe it's it. You know, uh yeah i don't i don't know he learns how to euro step and like draw fouls like harden
2: that's possible he's he's not even an option to bet on now so i'm I'm glad i got that bet when i did because (laughs) i literally couldn't even place it right now uh but he has he has he had the same odds back then as carl anthony towns chris paul brad beal andre drummond kyrie irving trey young rudy gobert all have to win it right now so when you think about it like that, kind of a smart bet. <laughs> kind of <laughs> I'm I'm gonna rule that one out. I think I think that's gonna be a loss for me. I
3: mean, I wish that's one of those bets where if you know if you could manage to do that and, you know, and have a real ticket associated with it, that you could you could frame yeah. it and put it in your put it on your desk or something at work and be like i i believed in yeah the bet this yeah the (laughs) bet
2: maybe have them sign it go go spurs game (laughs) what is it what am i signing is this a receipt all right we gotta wrap this thing up um nine games going on tonight um kind of an atypical schedule for thursday but the schedule has just been ridiculous the last week and a half with with all the holidays but uh kind of looking forward to this you know next month-long stretch here oh no we got to do all-star oh yeah All star voting returns i'm so sorry this is Complete diversion, but the all star first ballots were in earlier today. Leading overall vote getter, Luka Doncic. Okay. By just a handful of votes, he has 1,073,957. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 1,073,358. So about 600 votes separating those two. Will be very interesting to see if Doncic can beat LeBron for the captain spot in the West. I mean, Giannis has a, he's basically doubled up Embiid for who has the second most votes in the east so Giannis is, is essentially a shoe in to be one captain but um, LeBron <laughs> versus Luka will be will be an interesting debate yeah Luka gets the international vote
3: that's right. helped some players in the past um Zaza Pachulia yes. yeah uh, Taco Falls in here
2: yep yeah top five in the west front court LeBron Davis Kawhi PG Towns west backcourt Doncic Harden Lillard Curry Westbrook Thank Westbrook. you, thank you to the 191,000 people who voted for Steph Curry. East front court: Giannis, Embiid, Siakam, Butler, Tatum. East back court: Trey Young, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Derrick Rose, baby, and Zach Levine. Derrick Rose the, always is in this. It's always.
3: incredible. The amount of Derrick Rose fans that just still exist is wild to me. He, it, it's a it's a cult following that is so it's so strange to me.
2: It, it weirdly extends out of Chicago too. Of, it has. I think, to. I think there are people from like New York who now stan derrick rose for his like uh, oddly bad time in new york like now they just like something about him has captivated people even as he has moved into like a completely different phase of his career
3: i mean derrick rose used to be my favorite player like when he was like mvp or um okay. but i mean maybe i mean maybe there are also some, some you know
2: some cleveland fans uh i wasn't rushing out to vote tracy mcgrady into the all-star game when he played for the pistons or the spurs that's are you I a real tracy mcgrady dropped, fan i was a huge tracy mcgrady fan uh, well for like my entire life i just at some point you just dropped you didn't it log right? on i guess i mean that was that, that that is true back back then i would have had to like send in a physical ballot you have to go
3: was, to a, you have to go to the most near mba stadium pull yeah. out a piece of paper take a little pencil write some names in and then put it yeah, in like you're like you're like you're literally voting
2: yeah it's exactly what it was um carmelo anthony eighth in the western conference front court Brandon Ingram, interestingly, is ninth. And I think he's one of those guys that kind of deserves it. He does, yeah. And especially if they keep winning even a little bit more, I think that helps his case dramatically. Alex Caruso, eighth among Western Conference guards. John ja Morant, 10th among Western Conference guards. Taco Fall, sixth among front court players in the East. Uh, he's one spot ahead of Bam Adebayo. <laughs> and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, another interesting name. He's the final guard right now, he's 10th in fan voting for the eastern conference I, I don't think he has much of a shot unfortunately no but he um he deserves recognition he does yeah he does um would you want to see mellow in this game no me neither i mean we we talked about this off air a little bit like i if they want to do the whole legacy thing every year or when it's appropriate like whether it's this year next year two years from now for mellow like i wouldn't hate that if he's still hanging around and we know it's his last season like I didn't love when they did it for Dirk and Wade, you know, if they did that for Vince Carter this year, I think I would be fine. Um, but I, I also don't think they want to, that's kind of a dangerous precedent to set, you know, like how, how good do you have to be to, to get this legacy spot that they were pretty willing to hand out last year
3: you should have to you shouldn't get in the actual all-star game maybe you should just have to play one-on-one against another player who's going to retire Ooh. like if if Wade and Nowitzki played a game to 21 instead of being in the all-star game I felt like that would have gotten more viewership and been more interesting way more and they would have they wouldn't have taken it that seriously yeah, It mean, right. would just would have been fun because even
2: just even just the horse thing that they did like 10 years ago yeah
3: so I maybe Mello who's set to retire like Mello and Vince Carter play one-on-one
2: I think Melo would take it way too seriously. That would—I don't think it would work. <laughs> would he might. He
3: <laughs> might. Well, it would. Be, that He's would be playing for a
2: contract. That would be the fun part. Like two guys, it
3: would start off like kind of joking. Like yeah, they right. each—it'd be like they play a, like fifteen, kind of yeah. joking around, and then he would get like extremely serious. Exactly. And they'd be yeah. like the you know Carmelo would post up and swing like an elbow yeah, right. on a jumper. <laughs> so,
2: if it's call your own fouls, Mellow's winning. Call easily. your yeah. own fouls.
3: You have other legacy players call fouls. Dirk yeah, right. and Dirk comes back and is a ref for this game.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm all for expanding the All Star <clears throat> things like that. I know a lot of yeah. people think that the dunk contest and all that is dead and should just be done away with, but. I think we need to go the other way, like add more events. Dunk contest needs to stay.
3: I you have to have the dunk contest. That's it was my
2: really bad. And I I legitimately think we'll look back and say Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, Levine specifically, I think those guys saved the dunk contest. At least they like kept they at least revived it, it was it had reached a low point in the years before that.
3: Yeah. I remember when Shannon Brown switched hands in midair and that was his dunk.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like remember when the, JaVale McGee brought out a second basket for some reason and attempted to dunk two balls at once i mean i appreciated that that's crazy it is i don't like that's too far of prop usage for me okay i prefer it to, to at least be like a somewhat realistic dunk i understand yeah all right we'll actually wrap it up for real here um are you gonna are you gonna be on with Shannon on friday i think so i mean he's still kind of sick so we'll never it might have to be a one man <laughs> very hunkered down in his office this week yeah um all right well if not uh we'll, we'll be back at it next week